Alaska Priest Live. Guided by the Holy Spirit and honoring the magisterial teachings of the church. Faithful Catholic priests answering questions for believers and those seeking truth. Ask a priest because Father knows best. And now, your host, Jordan Pacheco. God be praised in his angels and in his saints. Hello, hello, everybody, listeners and viewers. And welcome back to our Friday episode of Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco. Happy Candlemas, a very, very beautiful, beautiful church. Or not church. Well, it's going to be a beautiful church. It's going to be a very beautiful mass, especially if you attend the traditional form. So if you want to see all those great screenshots, like, where do they get all those screenshots of Latin mass and candles? That's the mass you want to go to. So usually you'll find a parish probably around 7 o'clock tonight if you have the opportunity to go. It's going to be a very, very special day. It's been uber busy for us here on the Station of the Cross. A lot of great questions have been flowing in all week. And today also is going to be an absolute great one. I was looking at some of these email questions that trickled through. So what better priest to have on today than Canon Benjamin Norman, Institute of Christ the King, a sovereign priest. Canon, so happy that you're on with us. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? It is alive and kicking. It has been one heck of a week. I don't know if you've tuned into any of the other shows, but we've had some great questions. So no doubt you're going to be swamped with some really fun ones today. Okay. All right. I'll do my best. (laughs) There he goes. He's not afraid, listeners and viewers. Let's put him to the test. No, I'm totally just kidding. But there are some really, really cool ones here working through the pipeline. So I say, Cannon, without further ado, let's say we have some fun. Let's go ahead and get those phone lines open. If you have a question for Cannon today, we'd love to hear from you. 1-877-511-5483. 1-877-511-5483. Canon, before we begin, I mentioned how it's Candlemas, but I realize that even I'm not terribly versed about what exactly it is. So will you please tell our listeners and viewers what is Candlemas and how should we celebrate it? Well, Candlemas, of course, um, recalls a, a mystery of Our Lady and a mystery of Our Lord, which is really um, only appropriate because we know that the, the two are inseparably, inseparably united, just as they were on earth now even even more so in heaven and that mystery of our lady is her her purification um not that she needed a really a a purification saying as she was immaculately conceived but she in her in her abyss of humility wanted to wanted to honor um, the, the the Jewish law is laid down by by God through through Moses through the patriarchs so she went up uh, to to the temple to um, present her firstborn son as was prescribed our Lord Jesus Christ um, to the to the temple and uh, and uh, as a, as an offering if and uh, to offer to consecrate him to the Lord and to offer, of course, the sacrifice of two of two turtle doves, and um, this was the the uh, moment on which, the, of course, the the aged Simeon, this holy old man of, of Jerusalem, to whom the Lord had had promised that he would that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. This was the moment on, on which this aged and holy Simeon um, encountered our Lord and was even permitted by our infant Lord to. To carry him, uh, to hold him in in his own arms, and uh, this was the occasion for Simeon to give us the that ancient and most beautiful canticle, which is recited at the office of Compline, chant the the chanted office of Compline every night in the traditional rite, which is the the Nunc Dimittis. Now uh, thou dost 
dismiss thy servant now. Now you send away your servant, O Lord, in, in peace. Um, the, the beginning of that, of that canticle, very beautiful but short canticle. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely beautiful. No, that that's great. Thank you so much for explaining it. So yeah, if you're able, I, sh- to I, sh- get to mass I should tonight, add. Oh, yes. I should add though the the candle mass, the candle mass, of course, uh, because the the candle, the flame of the can of the candle, is a uh, is a symbol of Christ, the light of the world. I think that's mm-hmm. fairly Christ, our, our true light, guiding us to to heaven by the the knowledge of, of Him and of His His one true Church and, and of its teachings. But- Absolutely beautiful. Well, we here on the show play a very small part in that by getting some more knowledge about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ out into the world, getting some more answers to all those great questions Catholics and non-Catholics alike have. By the way, outside the church, there's no salvation there. I told you, if you're not a Catholic, boom, you got to get in. Just playing. Well, actually, no, not really playing. Let's go ahead and open up the phone lines, Canon. Let's go ahead and have some fun today. Phone lines are open. one 877 511-5483, or you can email your questions for Canon, priests at the station of the cross.com. Yesterday was fun because I had a hat trick essentially. We had questions from radio call-ins, YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. Those are like our four kind of pillars. So maybe we'll get that today, listeners of viewers. We're gonna see 1-877-511-5483. All right, kicking us off here. We have this email from Anonymous Canon. They say this. Is there a certain way or order the Rakulta is to be used? In addition, may we pray for certain people within these prayers? It says at the beginning of the Rakulta that the prayer should not be changed. Yes, well, um, I think I'd, I'd like to start with the last part of that question first. I, I'm, no, I'm not sure why I do that, but I, I guess I often do that. But um, in terms of uh, the prescription that no no part of it be uh, be changed, I think this must certainly be, an, in my opinion, anyway, an, an injunction um, somewhat like uh, was found in in the the, fifth, the 1570 bull of of Pius V, quo primum. Um, which called down the, the wrath of Saints Peter and Paul upon in any, for example, future popes who would try to change change this uh, traditional mass. Um, this, I think, in the Rocolta, this was an injunction against um, uh, warning uh, warning the future bishops and perhaps even popes against trying to trying to introduce changes into this into these collected um these collected indulgence to prayers why because these are part of the the patrimony of, of the church just like uh, the rosary for example is we call it our lady's psalter uh, revealed by by our lady her herself to saint dominic de, de guzman and you know no one ha- really has the authority even if they're a bishop or even a, a pope to um to take the these prayers from which we've been have been given by through tradition um, and try to change change the wording or, or something like that to uh, to make them mean something else. That's just that's kind of my own my own take my own take on it. But um, but in terms of a particular way to use the Rakulta, well, I think the most important thing to to recall is that the Rakulta is the collection of all the um, indulgenced. Uh, Again, the the indulgenced prayers of uh, of the church, and so that these are applicable to the holy souls in purgatory. Um, they're really they're therefore an excellent um, and pious practices, good works too. Too, for for example, things like the corporal, spiritual, and corporal works of, of mercy, like visiting the sick, for example, or the lonely, or bringing giving food to to the hungry, 
giving alms, these are uh, <clears throat> these are these the 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 merits of the prayers said and the good works worked from the Urkota are applicable to the holy souls in purgatory. So again, like I've talked before about how those particular times of the year when that's especially important to remember the first eight days of the month the month of November. Um, uh, you know, praying in a, in a cemetery, for for example, uh, but but all, but really all throughout the year too. Gotcha. And Canon, I think that you might have explained it in there, but just as a really quick overview, the Recolta, it's a collection of kind of prayers and devotions yes. of the church. Is that most I could describe it? Yes. Yes. Uh, exactly. And the. Um, uh, the latest uh, latest decree um, from the from the from the Holy See regarding the the Recolta would seem would was in the year um, eighteen four uh, excuse me eighteen ninety eight eighteen ninety eight so it's a it's a good traditional collection of um, just the prayers and good works that that and novenas various pious practices that have come down to us Catholics through tradition. Uh, tradition with a, a, a small T, if you will, over the course of the 2000, the 2000 year history of the church. Excellent. Revealed, Excellent. That is a great words, question. To revealed by off. the Holy Ghost, but anyway, yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, it's, that's fantastic. Hey, the more you know, I'm going to have to get one for my little bookshelf back here. Anonymous, what a great question to kick us off. God bless you. Thank you so much. one 877 I'm joined by Canon Benjamin Norman today, Institute of Christ the King, about one minute till the music. So it's okay if we come back to this next question, Canon, but I want to grab this from Diane. It's a great question. It's a common question too. Diane says, I'm wondering about the church's stance on cremation. The body corrupts the ground, and to me, if all the remains are together, I think that God can unite them with their souls at the end. Is this dogma of the church? Um, so there's a couple of questions in that question. Uh, I guess the first thing to say is that while it used to be strictly forbid, forbidden by the Catholic Church to cremate to cremate ones uh, uh, to cre to cremate a body after you know after death, it's no longer forbidden. Still, it's still never so. It is permitted. It is still, nevertheless, encouraged to go with the more traditional practice of burying the body, not not cremation. And moreover, it's still stipulated, it's still required by the Catholic Church that the that those who would cremate uh, someone, for example, their deceased parent or relative, that they not not be doing it to uh, to deny the doctrine the doctrine of the resurrection of the body the physical resurrection of the body not only the resurrection of the soul but also of the body on the last day when, when, when Christ comes again but I will um, get to the rest of that question I hope I can do so in the next next segment. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. Hey, you hang on there, Diana. I'm very happy that we popped this question in from YouTube yesterday. For those just tuning in, we're asking a question about the church's stance on cremation and if God can reunite these sort of cremated bodies together when the body and the soul come back in the second coming. In the meantime, you're listening to Ask a Priest Live. I'm joined by Canon Benjamin Norman today. Going to be an absolutely awesome show. What a wonderful Friday. We got a ton of really fun questions lined up in the till here, and we'd absolutely love to have your questions join them. One 877-511-5483 again that call in number 1-877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for canon today priests at the station of the cross.com i'm jordan pacheco don't go anywhere we'll be right back after the break god bless you
Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Are you lured by the half-century-old shift in Christianity that hails, I am supposed to be blessed with all my needs met, including excellent health, upward financial abundance, and sidestepping any adverse circumstance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, sand or rock. Your prosperity church or your megachurch is offering you vanishing fantasies. Tens of millions are reaching for the lures that tickle a natural human quest for life with no heartaches. That is not Christianity as described by Jesus and the apostles. Secondly, there's 73 books, not just 73 individual verses of a dream life. God's merciful action in our life brings us into seasons that are not pleasant. We all struggle with expectations like take up your cross and follow me. We just can't skirt it. This is a very real part of Christianity. St. Paul said in multiple places, what he suffered as loss he counted as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. And thirdly, my take on the lives of the saints. Bluntly said, more went wrong than went right, except at the end. And isn't that what counts? Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Coming up Monday on The Simple Truth, live at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's Wholeness and Healing Monday, fighting to cultivate the health of the whole person, mind, body, and soul. We'll be discussing the vegan diet. Are there advantages to a plant-based diet? Are there drawbacks? What does the data say? Does our faith have anything to say about it? Tune in and feel free to join the discussion by calling in during the show if you have any question or comment. The Simple Truth, live at 4 p.m. Eastern. listening to Ask a Priest Live from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Have a question? Ask a priest. Call 1-877-511-5483 or email us at priests at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you listeners and viewers all and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host Jordan Pacheco. I'm joined today by Canon Benjamin Norman and when we last left off we had this wonderful question left I think yesterday by Diane on YouTube. It was a question on the church's stance on cremation in particular. Uh, Diane says that if it all remains together I think God can surely unite their souls. Canon was just enumerating on this when he went to break so Canon, you completely have the floor. So, uh, yes, uh, I just want to reiterate that it is still very much um, encouraged by the church for for individuals to go with the option, the traditional option of burying uh, the deceased body rather than rather than cremating even. Um, while the uh, the person who asked this question is correct that uh, that God being almighty, being infinitely powerful, can and does indeed will reunite um, all of these uh, these various parts and particles of these bodies to individual bodies together on the last day for the general judgment the last judgment and then for the sending of these persons body and soul either to to heaven or to or to hell while god can and will do that it's nevertheless it's nevertheless the um the perennial the the indeed immemorial tradition not only of of the Catholic Church, but also of of the ancient Jews before the incarnation of Christ, to to bury their dead, because this is all this is the most 
really respectful way of um of 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 handling handling a, a deceased body one that respects the the integrity of of the body and leaves to god the time of the body's um de- decomposition uh, and decomposition and, and corruption in in the ground an excellent question there diane hey thanks so much for sending it in god bless you one 511 5483 Canon Benjamin Norman joins me today on Ask a Priest Live. I'm going to turn my gaze over to YouTube. This is a great question. Airplane 320 on YouTube asks this, Canon, what does the priest do if he accidentally spills the blood of Christ on the carpet next to the altar? So in that instance, um, if the priest were to accidentally cause to fall somewhere off the corporal, like on the, on the carpet, um, either, either the precious blood uh, or con- consecrated particles, for example, of, uh, of you know, hosts. Uh, host, hosts fall sometimes, unfortunately, to the ground. Um, the priest should, should ideally send for one of, the, one of the servers to go and get, <clears throat> get a bowl with some water in it and a purificator, the white linen known as a purificator, and then the priest... Uh, or or a deacon, but no, it has to be either a bishop, a priest, or a deacon who would do this. And ideally, it'd be either a priest or the deacon, because it's um, either the priest or the deacon should should go down, should bend down and place down the the purific the purificator. If it's the yes, the purificator onto the spot where it happened, and um, and pour a little bit of pour a little bit of water from from the dish. More or less, depending on on the need, maybe a little bit less if it's the precious precious blood. Uh, and and obviously blot up as much as possible. Hopefully, all of the precious blood or of the consecrated particles that would have made contact with the with the <clears throat> with the floor, with the carpet, excuse me, or whatever whatever the surface is. And then, of course, the uh, you know. Consecrated hands, either the, uh, another priest or a deacon, should take the, the moistened purificator, the soiled purificator, this water, back to the sacristy, and at a, a convenient time, the purificator will need to be purified again by either a priest, a deacon, or a subdeacon, and the um, water should be poured either down the the sacrarium in the sacristy if there is one this this sink in the sacristy that has a pipe going directly down into into the earth or simply taken outside and poured poured directly into uh, into the earth and of course the <clears throat> if the priest or the deacon who does that should obviously pay attention to to purify as well his uh, his fingers in the process that would have made contact with the, the precious blood or the or the consecrated particles Mm. Canon, I have a really great solution for in the event that uh, the blood of our Lord is spilled on carpet next to the altar. Would you like to hear it? I, I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, for, well, it's very simple. Maybe, maybe there just shouldn't be carpet near the altar in the first place. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, you're a bit of a Jansenist, aren't you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want to have a night? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Nonsense, I'm sorry to call you that, that that ugly name, but uh, but um, in the institute, we, as you probably noticed from our photos of mass, typically for for most masses throughout the year, unless it's for example a requiem mass or a penitential mass, you do want to have a is ideal to have a nice, uh, beautiful, um, you know, tapestry carpet in the adorning the sanctuary. 
I'll accept that. I will accept a nice tapestry carpet. That's totally fine. As long as it's not like the, the weird like speckled thing you know, from like the eighties. You, you don't want to, you don't want a shag carpet in the, uh, in the sanctuary. Oh, no, groovy, man. Groovy. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring the, how are we going to get God to the people? Goodness. <laughs> hey, airplane. That is a great no, question. Hey, thanks so much for letting us have some fun with it. One eight seventy seven five eleven five four eight three. Canon Benjamin Norman joins me today. We'd love to hear from you. Still fishing for our first phone call. Or oh, actually I totally lied. This is like a quasi phone call because brother Knight Scott get to hear from you, by the way, out in Rochester, New York, isn't on the line, but had this question sent in canon this is a very pivotal one very important because he says during a baptism ceremony is it proper to use the term i baptize you or we baptize you and if the incorrect phrase was used should that person get rebaptized that person should get baptized quite simply because if if the incorrect phrase was used if the person if the minister said we baptize you that's not a baptism that's invalid totally invalid so yes in answer to this question you have to say i baptize you Ideally, you say the person's name. It's not invalid if you forget to say the name, but you should. And it's in the rubrics to say the name and then followed by the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Ghost. Or in the Latin, ego te baptizo in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. And then while doing that, pouring the water, uh, cruciform onto the head of the, of the person. Um, so... In, in a cruciform pouring of the water for each each of the three um, persons of the Holy Trinity that are pronounced in that mm. baptismal formula. But again, it has to be I. It has to be the singular. If it's we, invalid baptism. Another mm. example of an invalid baptism, if you say, I baptize you in the name of the Creator and of the Redeemer and of the Sanctifier, like, for, for cases like, like that, for, for example, where that's been said, also totally invalid, totally invalid doesn't work. You're not baptized. You're not Catholic. If you die in that state, you can't go to heaven because you still have original sin on your, on your soul. So now, better, uh, or better go get I'm baptized. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. That's that's go right. Ahead. And no, the reason why I brought this up is because if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a giant scandal where I think uh, they found out that this one priest. I don't. I don't I'm not going to assume malice where ignorance might be prescribed. But anyway, they found out there were now thousands and thousands of people who potentially weren't baptized correctly. But of course, you think about things like the baptism of water, baptism of blood, baptism of desire, right? So would someone, if someone obviously discovers that they've been they've never been baptized, right? Then obviously they need to go and and get baptized. Um, but if somebody kind of discovers this and isn't able to, we might have a, we might, could you make a reasonable case for a baptism of desire? Well, uh, sure. In certain cases, because the theologians talk about it, you know, it's uh, a baptism of desire and, uh, and baptism of baptism of blood. And then the very good, uh, old traditional catechism, my Catholic faith by Bishop Morrow published in, uh, the better edition, the more antique edition from 1954. Also this catechism teaches the, um, the existence of baptism of blood and baptism of desire. So in other words, baptism of blood for martyrs, those who actually do shed their, their blood uh, out of uh, and die out of hatred and hatred for the faith. That is just not their own personal, not because, no, they're confessing Christ and the Catholic faith, but then those who hate Christ and the Catholic faith kill them. So martyr, martyrdoms by shedding their blood, like beheading, for example, or you know, being being burned alive or other other means of shedding one's blood while 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 being killed, and then bapt, baptism of desire. Um, yes, there were you had for you had for example 
the catechumens in the uh, during the Roman persecutions who <clears throat> who um, you know uh, perhaps uh, or in or in other in other t- I guess that's an example of baptism of baptism of blood but those who for one reason or or another are not able but not not their own fault but for some other reason are not able to be baptized before they die though they have that desire of being baptized and it can even theoretically in certain cases be an not an explicit desire but an implicit desire because of the existence of um something that that saint thomas and other theologians call invincible ignorance in other words um obstacles to knowing the the Catholic faith and our Lord Jesus Christ by by those names during one during one's life, because of reasons that were not that person's own fault. The classic example is you know the the islander you know native lost on some some island somewhere for example in the South Pacific never reached by Catholic missionaries but this person um, all their life believes in the one God that he is the rewarder of the good and the punisher of evil and this person has contrition for their sins because after all they have a conscience and they know that they're not perfect and that they do things that go against the will of God. They have contrition for their their sins and they seek to live their life according to their conscience as best they can and they die in that state. Well, it is uh, certainly theoretically possible, not given, not a guaranteed, but but theoretically possible that this person was, you know, um, that this person was laboring under invincible ignorance but that they did have an implicit desire to adhere to the truth which is of course the catholic faith and uh, to the true mm-hmm. lord christ, the only lord christ the lord but um that's not a given and that's why the catholic church throughout her history has always been very vigorous in sending missionaries to the fur- farthest corners of of the earth to reach all of these hopefully all of these people so that they can hear the name of our lord and of the catholic church know therefore know of, of of god and of the true religion and come to accept it explicitly so that their salvation Amen. can be more more sure mm, mm, indeed brother night scott that is a good father thank you for that that very very thorough breakdown on on the three kind of distinctions there brother night scott that is a great question i know that's a very deep question to to not just you but i know that there's a lot of people that we've had some call-ins also um a little bit curious about this unfortunately i wish that it wasn't such a problem i wish that it wasn't some scandal that has been uncovered for some people in later years but we should always trade that uncertainty for certainty always the unknown for truth so if you're listening out there and you're like oh goodness i totally remember or i know of a time when there was a a utilization of we baptize or instead of father son holy spirit as father said creator sanctifier redeemer uh for the sake of the souls of our loved ones tell them right because it's very very easy to get baptized properly the church is welcoming her open arms very very important brother night scott thank you for sending that in you're listening to ask a priest live canon benjamin norman joins me today man already halfway through the show on a friday on oh, that means we're not going to be on air tomorrow but hey don't worry we're going to have as much fun as we can today that call number is still open throughout the break one 511 If you'd like to email your questions for Canon, you may of course do so at priests at the station of the cross.com as well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. I see Wesley, I see a question there on YouTube. We'll try to get to it as we can. Brian has an email question coming up next. It's going to be a very curious one, a question on the Old Testament and uh, having a a polygamy would be multiple wives gonna be a really really great question i'll see you right after the break in the meantime i'm jordan pacheco this is ask a free slide hey don't touch that dial we'll be right back
This is Father Anthony Amato from the Diocese of Rochester, New York. Please join me in praying the Anima Christi prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe, defend me. At the hour of my death, call me and bid me to come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center, prays the Liturgy of the Hours each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. Nestled in a peaceful, rustic setting, it's the perfect place to converse with God and discern His will for your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is open to the public and can be booked by individuals or groups for retreats. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. To book a visit or learn more, visit liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. Did you know that live video of the show is just a few clicks away? Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Ask a Priest Live. Search for the Station of the Cross on Rumble. Or check out our Watch Live page at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you listeners and viewers all. Welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco. Happy Friday. Happy Candlemas. I hope you were able to you're able to go and see one of the most pretty, most beautiful, most holy little masses of the year at your traditional parish or diocesan or wherever the heck they do Candlemas. Just get there. 7 o'clock, I'm sure, your time around. Which, if you're on the East Coast, is coming up real fast. I just realized, for those that aren't, you can keep tuning into the show, though. That's totally okay. Hey, we have Canon Benjamin Norman on with us today. It's been a great show so far. A lot of great questions rolling in before the weekend. We're going to try to do our best to get through as many as possible. Starting with this one right here, I teased it a little bit before the break, Canon, but this comes from Brian, a great question here. He says this, The patriarchs of the Old Testament commonly had more than one wife and also consorted with various concubines, not only the cons- uh, not only with the consent, but even the encouragement of their wives. In many instances, this led to considerable domestic disharmony, but nonetheless, it seems to have been the cultural norm at that time and place. Somewhere between that time of the patriarchs and the birth of the church, polygamy fell out of favor, at least for those following Jesus. But when St. Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy that a candidate for bishop should be the husband of one wife, that distinction makes it sound like though polygamy was still being practiced, Oh, it sounds like polygamy was still being practiced, not only in the surrounding culture, but among some Christians as well. Now, I'm not, (laughs) I love this. Now, I'm not looking uh, for some kind of imprimatur for taking multiple wives. The one is just fine for me. Thank you very much. But I was wondering when and why polygamy became unacceptable for those in the church. 
Well, it would seem, based on that um, that teaching of Saint Paul, that the bishop be the husband of one husband of one wife, that from the very beginning of uh, of the Catholic Church, from from Pentecost onward, the teaching of of the Church is is that a marriage is this sacrament which Christ is well this international institution which Christ is elevated to the dignity of a sacrament of being a um, mutually agreed upon uh, um, union between one man, just one man and just one woman, so not a plurality of of either sex, which which is uh, entered into principally, primarily in view of the uh, procreation of new human life, procreation and education of children, in other words. So it in, entered into for by one man and one woman, freely, not coerced, either one coerced in, in any way, um, to live together in a uh, in a union and harmony of life until until death and, and only death dissolves that marriage bond. It entered into primarily for the purpose of procreating and a new a new leading to you know the the conception of birth of new human beings. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, for the secondary, the secondary purpose of being mutual help, helpmates, especially in, of course, regards to their mutual sanctification, the man and the woman being helpmates for each other. And in terms of uh, <clears throat> the history of polygamy in the Old Testament, well, we certainly see that it was at, at times, and to certain in, individuals, notably the holy patriarchs of the, of the Old Testament, it was permitted. Though it ha- really has to be seen as in St. Thomas Aquinas says it, it was a dispensation from God, a certain dispensation from the natural law, not regarding the first precepts of the natural law, but regarding the secondary precepts of the natural of the natural law. So a dispensation given by God for certain individuals and for certain reasons, notably in the very beginning of the human race after Adam and Eve. Well, it was God had said to Adam, go, uh, fill the earth, you know, fill the earth, not just have cert, a certain number of children and kind of have some people here and there on the earth, but fill the earth. So therefore, the most uh, efficient way of doing this was for for men uh, to have multiple, for men to have multiple li- wives, in other words, polygamy. And then um, as the earth became more and more, more and more, not not because it was again, not because polygamy is necessarily ideal for domestic harmony, but because there was this need to fill the earth. And then, um, for certain of the holy patriarchs, God permitted uh, God permitted to have multiple wives and to have uh, well, yes, to have multiple wives. Uh, and um, but it was <clears throat> but it was always a dispensa- always a dispensation regarding the secondary precepts of natural laws. In other words, it was not to be considered the norm. It was not to be considered um, the usual practice for most most Jews. If, um, and so that's we 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 see Christ teach very very clearly in the Gospel of uh, in the Gospel of uh, nobly of Matthew and of Mark. And he says, you, you shall not, uh, he's, he, he's talking about not, not polygamy in the first place, but something um, really kind of, kind of, I would say, 
uh, sort of germane to to the subject of, of polygamy, kind of like a, a cousin of polygamy, if you will, and that is uh, essentially divorce and remarriage. And when you recall, the um, Pharisees are are <clears throat> are asking asking Christ if indeed it's lawful for a man to um, to leave his wife and take a, take another. And what does Christ say? Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted it, but in the beginning it was not so. And um, he elevates marriage to the to the level of being a sacrament, and, sa- and says he puts the seal of divine authority on it, saying, "What God has joined together, man shall not shall not tear asunder." Mm. That is a tremendous question, Brian. Hey, thanks so much for sending it in. Very big indeed. Hey, you're listening to Ask a Priest Live. I'm joined by Canon Benjamin Norman today, Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. Like that last question, we have a ton of fun ones in the till. We're still waiting for our first live call of the day. Let's not have the Friday curse come back. We're just waiting for you. No questions too big. No questions too small. 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon priests at the station of the cross.com as well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and rumble. And again, that call in number, come on, somebody be brave. We don't bite one eight seven seven five eleven five four eight three. This is a great question. Canon that popped up via YouTube and Wes Wes asks this are Catholics required or expected to name their children after a biblical or saint name. Um, in, in baptism, it should be a, it uh, indeed must be a a Christian name, which is um, yes the the name of a saint. At, le- at, at, at the very least, it must be the it must be one of the names of uh, of the person being being baptized. You know, James, for example, or John, or Joseph, or any any other uh, name of a saint. So yes, it, uh, at the very at the very least, in in the sacrament of holy baptism, it needs to be a it must be a a Christian name, the name of a name of a saint, um, <clears throat> which could be. Um, there are some, you know, case in point. Uh, <laughs> you're talking to Canon Benjamin Norman today. You know, <laughs> the, the Benjamin of uh, an old right, an old Old Testament uh, <laughs> figure. So, so it's not. You know, those can be those are acceptable. Those are acceptable too, and there's pre- there's there's precedent for it. There's indeed a now I'm tooting my own horn, which I feel bad, but but uh, well, <laughs> no, go for it. You're you're in it already, Kenny. Might as well go throughout. <laughs> I, exactly. I'm I'm digging my grave. I've got to dig dig all the way to China and get out. No, but uh, <laughs> but um, Benjamin Saint Benjamin, a, a Persian deacon of the uh, the fourth century, who was martyred for continuing to preach the. Uh, orthodox, that is to say, the uh, true um, and accurate teaching regarding um, the divine, the divinity of the second person of the Trinity, the div- divinity of Christ. He was, I, think, I believe, it was the the Byzantine emperor at the time who was an Arian who, you know, subscribing to this Arian heresy and denying the divinity of Christ, and who forbade him Saint Benjamin to continue preaching. But he did. So ultimately, he he lost his head, was guillotined, or had his head. Well, they didn't have a guillotine yet, but his head chopped off. <laughs> Had to wait. Had to wait for the French Revolution for the guillotine. <laughs> yeah, I got fourteen hundred years before that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, oh. that's great. Oh, well, I, I feel I feel in the same same camp, right? Because I'm I'm Jordan, obviously named after, technically speaking, the most important river because our Lord, for all time, space, and history, chose to be baptized in that one. If it could have been the Mississippi, it could have been Mississippi Pacheco, but I'm not. Uh, <clears> and then my <laughs> middle name is Joaquin, which of course is Mary's father. So I'm, I'm very blessed on that. Both those fronts. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, that is it. That is a great question indeed, Wes. Hey, thanks for sending it in via YouTube. 1-877-511-5483. I'm on with Canon Benjamin Norman today. An absolutely great day for questions. We're just waiting for your call. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that call-in number, 1-877-511-5483. This email popped up, Canon. It's from Anonymous. It's a very curious one. They say, what is so new about the so-called new evangelization? Has the evangelization always been central to the mission of the church? Yes. Um, yes and yes. So <laughs> I, I, I admit, uh, you know, when I, when I, when I, yes, I mean, the, the whole point of, um, of the whole of uh, the Catholic Church is this, this is the mystical body of Christ and God's, um, God's instrument on earth by which he saves souls and so the catholic church for that reason throughout her 2000 year history has always had a robust missionary effort to go like i was saying earlier to go send missionaries to the farthest corners of the earth to preach christ crucified and the true the true the one true catholic faith and and religion the one true church so with regards to the initiative um really kind of attributed to Pope St. John Paul II of the new evangelization. I haven't read that much about it. Um, you know, I admit in kind of, well, if you want to refer to it as, you know, traditional, or sometimes you hear the term traditionalist, uh, although I don't really think that's a great, I don't really think that's a great term. The Catholic, the Catholic milieus or Catholic, Catholic circles. Um, you, I admit you don't hear too much about, you know, the quote unquote new event, evangelization and thus unfortunately i'm not you know so so instructed upon it but um we have to remember that in no matter what age i mean we're always called to to evangelize and we do that first and foremost um not by necessarily there aren't really you know nothing is like saint paul has already said in the holy scripture there's nothing new under the sun so you know the time true the true time-tested methods of spreading the faith, that is, of simply preaching the name of, of Christ and um, and his one true church. This always has been, you know, is now and always will be the primary means by which we by which we evangelize, by which we spread the faith to those outside the church. <laughs> That's all that it is to it. I've heard it said, and I kind of like this canon, that the, um, my saying is that the new evangelization is the old evangelization with new tools. So it seems to be a very adapted. Even this show, I think, is kind of a part of, of that idea, right? To use the radio waves and to use online, but to still spread the very quintessential message of the gospel. I think that's fair, certainly. We talk about a sense of new evangelization. Sorry, can't speak today, but that's a hard word. Evangelization was that like five syllables or something? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yes, you can speak. You can speak of the new tools that are that are used as as technology develops to carry the one and same uh, unchanging message of the of the Catholic faith to to the world. Yes, and that's yes, I suppose you that can speak a- of a new evangelization. <clears throat> Mm, indeed, indeed, anonymous. Great question. Hey, thanks so much for sending it in. Looks like we're about forty seconds to the music. Gabriel, I see that you're on the line from uh, New York, but I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and get to you right after the break because I know that you have a tremendous question. I don't want to crunch out any of your time in answering it. But hey, in the meantime, for all of our wonderful listeners and viewers, if you have a question for Canon Benjamin Norman today, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. 
1-877-511-5483. You can also email your questions, priests at the station of the cross.com, as well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. We are really grateful for all the way these questions trickle through. 1-877-511-5483. We're going to have a great roster of priests, not just this week, as you can obviously tell, but also next week, a great way you can stay plugged into the show, figure out if we have particular theme shows, topics that you really like, priests that you really like to resonate with, is of course to sign up for our mailing list. That's at thestationofthecross.com slash askapriest. That is a great way to receive updates on the show and of course our weekly priest lineup. So consider going over there, thestationofthecross.com slash askapriest. And of course, if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, please to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those places. And if you like to watch us online, YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble, please like our pages and subscribe to our channels. Congrats to YouTube, by the way. I see that between yesterday and today, 10 more people joined our subscribers. Our Road 2000 is very strong. Gabriel from New York, we'll be right with you after the break. In the meantime, this is Ask Priest Live. God bless you. We'll be right back. In 1937, 20 years after Our Lady appeared in Fatima, Pope Pius XI wrote the encyclical on atheistic communism, precisely to warn the faithful about Russia's errors. Pope Pius XI, quote, Atheistic communism aims at upsetting the social order and undermining the very foundations of Christian civilization. For the first time in history, we are witnessing a struggle, cold-blooded in purpose and mapped out to the least detail between man and all that is called God, close quote. Now that is really interesting. Because right there, the Pope is quoting from 2 Thessalonians 2.4. That's the section that St. Paul is writing about, the Antichrist. This satanic scourge is in opposition both to reason and to divine revelation. Entire peoples find themselves in danger of falling back into a barbarism worse than that which oppressed the greater part of the world at the coming of the Redeemer. Well, look around. Here we are. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless our family. Open our hearts to receive your love. May our home be another Nazareth, so that our family may be a place where your peace and love abides. Open our eyes to recognize the gift and beauty of life, so that we may find joy in your presence among us. Grant us pure hearts seeking holiness, generous hearts full of your love, merciful hearts ready to forgive, and tender hearts full of kindness. May our family be a sanctuary of life and love, a beacon of hope, drawing others to your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. O Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. Enjoying the show? Catch up on podcasts of past episodes on your favorite platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. 
God bless you, listeners and viewers. All welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco. Hope y'all are doing well out there. It's our final segment of the day before the weekend. So if you want to get your questions in for Canon Benjamin Norman, I suggest you go ahead and call in here in our last 10 minutes together. 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon priests at the station of the cross.com. Hey, Gabriel, you've been so patient out there in East Amherst, New York. Thanks so much for calling into the show. What's your question for Canon? Okay. Um, good evening. Um, in Matthew's gospel in the 17th chapter, when they're talking about driving out demons, there's one sentence that Christ said, uh, some are driven out by prayer and fasting. Now you'll find this in some translations of the Bible, not the other. Uh, I'm wondering, this is not a Catholic Protestant thing, but it's more or less a translation. I'm wondering what the reason for this is, is if the, the source from Obviously, the original translations are non-existent, so we have to use other sources, which are copies. And does that depend on which copy is the translator is using, or what's the uh, story? Well, I mean, the first thing that we have to admit, since we have we have the faith, is that uh, you know. Um, through all, at the very least, through all of the approved editions of the um, of the Bible of the Catholic Church, and in the first place, the Church's official uh, the official version version of the Bible, Saint Jerome, uh, Latin Latin Vulgate. Through this, God has God has in in the Church faithfully transmitted revelation to us. So you know, through the approved, in other words. The approved um, editions of of the Bible, those editions approved by the Catholic Church, we have faithfully received God's God's revelation, the words spoken by Christ to the apostles, and then handed down the from the to the from the apostles to their successors, their, their the bishops after them, and then on and on and on down the line until until today. Now, uh, so so for that reason, I always recommend r- sticking with. Um, if your Latin is good enough, or, you know, there's not very many who are, but for, for some Latinists, perhaps St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate. But then for, I think, uh, perhaps the vast majority of Catholics in the English-speaking world, <clears throat> excuse me, the Duerims um, edition, this English translation um, uh, by, uh, by Bishop Chaloner of St. Jerome, Jerome's Latin Vulgate. You know, I highly recommend st- sticking with this edition. Whether other certain other editions, like um, you hear of some kind of strange editions of the Bible these days, like uh, the hear of things like the the, the New International Version or, or other much highly you know very modern editions with very very modern sounding language to the point where where really the the teaching of Christ and of the apostles starts to become confused because this is just such you know such. Um, 
changed language in, in, in regards to versions like the uh, the, the Reims. It's just all, in some, some places bears very, a very only a very superficial resemblance to to the words in more traditional editions of of the Bible. Whether the you know if if the uh, if the uh, propagators, promulgators, whatever you want to call it, of, of these of these other editions had an agenda had an agenda in uh, cutting out cer- certain words, certain phrases, or in changing them, just as Martin Luther had an ag- an agenda when he re- when he removed, uh, or excuse me, when he added the word alone to uh, to uh, to. St. Paul's phrase saved by faith in the in the epistle to the Romans. Martin Luther added the word alone to create to justify his his uh, his doctor being saved by by saved by faith alone in other words. And um so it's certainly it's yes, certainly possible <laughs> and I would say even probable that certain other editions there was there was uh, an agenda behind them. I uh, I really Highly discourage use of the New American Bible to, to give you a concrete example. You know, I think that there are many part many instances of language in that edition known as the New American, which is highly which lends to perhaps not, um, which is not you could not actually accuse that that edition of. Well, no, I have read thing. I have read things in the New American Bible in years past, and having the distinct impression that I was reading language which, in itself, was heretical vis-a-vis the Catholic faith. This, I can't remember this specific instance, but I remember saying to myself, "Never, never use the New American Bible," and always discourage others from using the New American Bible. Um, so, so. Uh, Really, uh, what I'm saying too is you have to you have to stick with the uh, the appro- the approved. First of all, the approved editions of the Bible of the Catholic Church, but but moreover, really the it's best it's best, and you really should stick with the more traditional ed- editions. And ideal, really, uh, ideally, the 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 Duerims version uh, edition. Great. Gabriel, uh, that I is that a tremendous question, question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it, I think it covers a good gamut, or canon indeed. Gabriel, great question. Hey, thanks for sending it in. One eight seventy seven five eleven five four eight three. Looks like we only have about two more minutes before the music. So let's see if I can find a question that is going to. Oh, here's one. Perfect, perfect. This will be a good one to close this out. Gonna go ahead and hop to it. Uh, Ruckolette on YouTube asks this question, Canon. We'll try to answer it as best we can in our short time. How should I respond to a sibling who has been inviting me to join the Seventh Day Adventist Church? Say no. <laughs> Refuse the invitation. <laughs> done. No, ask them why they believe in Seventh Day Adventism, why they believe in heresy rather than be Catholic. You know, rather than adhere to the true religion, <laughs> ask ask the ask, ask them the rhetorical question: Why would I want to throw my soul into hell by by apostatizing from the Catholic Church and becoming a Seventh Day Adventist? <laughs> now, <laughs> that's, you, now, that's you, you are you now you're, you're a convert, Canon. You're a convert, if yeah. I remember correctly, correct? So, but you weren't a Seventh Day exactly. Adventist. You were you were yeah yeah. So you know you know the other side. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I, I was a heretic for long enough, you know, 21 years. That's enough. I, I don't need to, oh, I don't need no, to go back. Oh, I love that. 
that's that's great rockley i want to give just a suggestion that i found very helpful we've had a couple of seventh day adventist approach i've had jehovah's witnesses approach i had this one really weird church out of south korea that believes that god is a, like their whole thing is like god's a woman to get their foot in the door um if your sibling is so convinced i always actually start by just asking what is the history of your denomination the seventh day adventists have a really really wild history and i would like to see like i like seeing my siblings squirm because of course i like fighting with my siblings just kidding by the way i love you guys but uh and they're not seventh day adventists or all good catholics but in the event sometimes it's just very easy to say listen before we begin i have this history of the catholic church here what is the history of your church and if your sibling goes i don't know and they start reading up on their own denomination most protestants don't know the history of their own churches and they're going to discover oh snap this thing kind of grew out of a weird thing going on weird revival movement of the 19th century and it might actually really kind of spur on an argument from history which sometimes is very helpful and then if that doesn't work as candace suggested yeah lead with the why the heck would i want to burn in hell for rejecting uh for rejecting the one true church as andrew points out earlier in the comments extra Ecclesia Nelu Salus outside the church. There is no salvation. Okay, Canada, thank you so much for joining. It was a great show today. Before you go, we leave us with your blessing. Absolutely. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti, Shindat Supervos, Mare et Semper. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Canon. Hey, thank you so much for the fun. God bless you all listeners and viewers all. I'm going to be taking just a brief hiatus, I think only about a month long, working on some very big film projects. You know how I'd be doing, but don't worry. You're going to have the show continue. It's going to be awesome. And I'm sure that the hosts or hosts that are going to be in my absence are going to be just as spectacular. So I hope you all treat them just as fun and wonderful as you treat me. In the meantime, thank you all so much. I hope you have a wonderful candle mass tonight. I'm Jordan Pacheco from all of us here on Ask a Free I will see you later. God bless you. May keep you. Have a wonderful weekend. Take it easy.